0: All right, Psalm number 65. Let's start from there this morning. Are you there? Yes, sir. All right, one two, let's go then. Before you, I'm praising Zion, O God, and to you the vow will be performed. O you hear prayer, to you all men come, iniquities prevail against me, as for my transgressions you forgive them. How blessed is the one whom you choose and bring near to you to dwell in your courts. We be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. By awesome deeds you answer us in righteousness, O God of our salvation, you who are the thrust of the end of the earth and of the Father's sea, who establishes the mountains by his strength, being girded with might. Who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, and the tumult of the peoples? They who dwell in the ends of the earth stand in awe of your signs. You make the dawn and the sunset shout for joy. Verse 9. You visit the earth and cause it to overflow. You greatly enrich it. The stream of God is full of water. You prepare their grain, for thus you prepare the earth. Your water is furrows abundantly. You settle its ridges. You soften it with showers. You bless its growth. You have crowned the year with your bounty, and your paths drip with fatness. The pastures of the wilderness drip, and the hills get themselves rejoicing. The meadows are clothed with flocks, and the valleys are covered with grain. They shout for joy. Yes, Yes, they sing. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Remember, it is the Lord that visits the earth and causes it to overflow. It's not human planning. It's God that greatly enriches the earth. It's God that blesses the people. There was a time the Prince gave a prophecy that the Lord told him. He was very angry with America as a nation. What was his reason? He said, I've been very good to America. And then one day I told him, a friend of mine and I went somewhere so he parked in the like, outskirts of town, and I looked, and I said, you guys planted these trees? He said, no, they are natural. <laughs> I said, what? These are natural trees? I said, God bless this land. Yeah. Have you seen Iroko tree grow? Very, very tall, all right? Yeah, other trees grew, they have had like, branches all over the place for you to pass through. Whoa. But this was trees growing as if somebody planted them in street rows, very tall. I said, no wonder you build houses with wood. If we try it here, it's cheaper to just mix our block and cement. I'm telling you, it's much cheaper. The point I'm making is that the land is blessed; it's not human planning. What you saw that was phys- that is physical, but then even the, you know, the human, what looks like human, it's not. It's God that visits the earth and enriches it. That same God will enrich your life this morning. Amen. I feel like since somebody will think that the problem is that he didn't go to school, didn't advance in school. <laughs> I know I'm laughing. No, I know I'm laughing. That thought is nonsense. What did I say? It's nonsense. It is nonsense thought. This is the word of the Lord. Despite your apparent disadvantages, I will visit you and I will enrich you. Amen. If you receive that, that will be your portion in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning. A morning in which you have packaged wisdom and understanding and insight for us. We receive it with gladness. Amen. We receive it with faith. And we declare as follows. Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and And revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. Giving me light and direction, healing me in every area, and it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. Jesus Amen. 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 All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. It's a great day for you. If you believe that, give me an amen. amen. All right, good morning, everybody. Okay, faith foundations for the Christian walk that is what we have been studying. And we'll continue to study this morning. Some people have pointed at the fact that I teach very long series. Like, <laughs> I teach every week. So, we do I have to change the topic all the time? No, we'll just continue talking. All right. So, today is, the, I think, the ninth in this series. And we are not even near finishing. And that person pointed out, he gave me a set of our messages, our last year's messages. Is that, is that Pastor, each one is rather long. I say, it's good. It's the word of God. Uh, We're not doing short, short ones. We have to exhaust everything the Spirit is saying. Amen? Amen. We have to fill it to the full so that when the clouds are full, they will pour forth miracles upon the earth. They will pour forth divine manifestations on the earth. You know, spiritual things sometimes, they appear as if they are in measures. No, not as if they appear. They are actually in measures. Sometimes you may not know exactly the amount of measure that you are required to fulfill or how it's been measured. So what you do is continue to fill. I hope you're getting my point. What you do is what? Continue to fill. I've had to ask th- answer this question. If I ask myself many times, i asked a lot before. When um, Elisha was going to die and he called the king, you know, uh, is it the king of Judah or king of Israel? to, you know, shoot the arrow. He shot the arrow of the Lord's deliverance against Syria. And then he said, strike the ground. And the man took the arrows and struck the ground. He struck three times. And then he stopped. And Elisha was angry. I've been asked many times, but he didn't tell the man how many times to strike. He wasn't angry as in angry. He was more frustrated. He was more of um, sad. It was more of exasperated. Alright? That is, oh God, I wish you had done this thing seven times. Now you struck only three times. You only defeat them three times. And exactly the number of times it happened. Now, somebody said, why didn't he tell him? Well, maybe the Lord was just testing the resolve of the king. We don't know. Maybe he was testing, okay, how dedicated are you to the work of God in this regard? Maybe. I don't know for sure. But one thing I know, is that he's um, stopping quickly, made made sure he didn't get the full victory that was required for the nation, all right? It's possible that that was just a manifestation to this, just show to Elisha that this man or these people are not ready for full victory, okay? So that's why Elisha couldn't tell him, continue striking, all right, until I tell you to stop. Just wanted to test his resolve and sometimes in life, that's what God is doing. Testing our resolve, okay? And that's something about faith. And that's one thing I want to teach you about this morning. God helping me. Faith is not, it doesn't have, I mean, I'm looking for a word. It's not, okay, I'll do this for five days. If God doesn't answer, I will go somewhere else. Once you start in faith, you make up your mind, you will die there. I hope you're getting my point. You will make up your mind. Because what happens is that you don't know exactly when the cup will be full. You don't know exactly when the clouds will be full and they will pour forth abundance on the earth. You don't know. So what you do is that you constantly, all right? You constantly continue. You never stop. You constantly fill the cup. You constantly fill the vessel. You are getting my point. Remember that woman that, um, the son of, um, sorry, the wife of the prophet, the widow of the prophet that went to save Elisha and said that, look, your, my husband was the son of the prophet. He was, was a good man. Now he's dead, but he borrowed quite a, some money while he was alive. And now the creditors have come to take my two sons to be slaves, you know, servants to work off the debt. And the, the prophet said, what do you have in your house? He said, I have this jar of oil. He said, okay, go and borrow jars or vessels. He said to her, what? I want the King James one borrow not a few. Don't borrow small. Borrow as much as you can. Now, the amount of results she got was directly determined to how seriously she took the word of the prophet. I hope you're getting my point. If she took time out to borrow enough to fill every corner of the house, including the rafters, everything would have been filled. So the amount of money she got was determined by her dedication to the word of the prophet. I don't know whether you are getting it. Please, that's our book, Receive the Holy Spirit, How to Walk with the Power of God Constantly. In it, I explain this thing again. The problem we have is that we often are not fully dedicated to the things of God. Christians, people, let me just say Christians, all right, because a lot of go to church and I don't know who are really. Uh-huh. But we come to church, we are not fully committed. See, I want to say this quickly. You know my natural training? I see things happen all the time. And I'd like to quote Kenneth Hagen, Lillia B. Yeomans, and um, John Graham Lake. Three of them said the same thing three different, uh, different ways, but essentially the same thing. They said, if people would give me the, the same attention they give to doctors, I will get them healed 100% of the times, and there will be no charge. 100%. You know, people hold on to doctors till the end. I've seen people that they told, "Now it happens all the time. No, it's nothing like I'm telling you a strange story you don't know. This thing is not curable. We have reached the limit. Yet, if you see the way we look for money to fly the person, maybe to India or to the United States or somewhere in Europe, where the doctors in Nigeria have told you there is nothing available, humanly speaking anymore. But people will borrow money, sell property, sell land, sell cars, take bank loans to go. I still remember one that happened recently. A person was still trying to raise money. I felt like telling people, it's a waste of money. This person is likely to die where you are rushing him or her to. And then you will be, you know, encumbered with having to repatriate the body back home. But you know, you can't say it. Are you going to tell anybody that? You're going to keep quiet and be pained in your heart that this is a waste of money. That if it's a miracle you are looking for, Better God, I better do it here. I don't know whether you're getting my point. But I'm bringing out the issue that we don't lose hope when it comes to human doctors. Hope. We continue with them till the end. And I noticed that many times, the more severe the ailment is, the more expensive the treatment is, and the less effective it is. I've seen that, of course, you know. Somebody is shivering and wants to die from malaria. All these uh, antimicrobial-based uh, combinations we use with uh, amodiaquine inside sometimes. Other times now, they are introducing chloroquine in the Naira of today. But the you blew 3,000 Naira, you have killed the malaria and the grandfather. <laughs> Do you get my point? Yes, Let's not talk about the grandchildren that you killed first. For those who don't know, in practical terms, that the, the value in the US dollars for everything is less than ten dollars. Even if you use purchasing power parity trying to compare it, it's not up to hundred dollars. Now, but that's how easy it is to treat something that appears severe and all of that. And of course, in really when you hit it today, by by evening most of the organisms in the system they are dead. And you generally recover for the next two three days and you're fine. Whew. You know your people sell drugs that's like 800000 naira a month for 10 months to lengthen the life of the person for one extra year. Subsidized. $800,000 a month for the next 10 months. And I ask them, so what's it going to do? They, they don't guarantee a cure, but the person, if other people will die, maybe in six months, this person will live for a year, six months. And that's all you are offering. And in our local terms... That requires selling of house, selling of land, selling ah, uh, ah. Uh. And I know many people just say, I'm not taking. Why? Why impoverish my family to give me one extra year of life? Leave it. Talk to the wife or the children. Say, use that money to send this one to school. Even if they have the money, they are not paying. You know, we might be begging them They say, no. We see these things every time. Where I'm going with all of this is that if somebody says, I want to believe God, and the person now dies. They say, hey, that's what Christians do. They will not go and take treatment. That no, I, you don't get that rubbish from my mouth. I said those who took, where are they? They live forever? After you are complaining like that, when we do that for severe ailments, I hope you're my point. That's what, that's what you're complaining about. I have my new rule. Listen, I'm medically trained. I'm a specialist. I teach students. Because some of them say I'm not taking medicine. I don't, shrug, I don't worry my head. I just sit with you and say, okay, what's the plan? I want to pray. Okay, how are we doing the pray? I will never raise this voice to tell you you are being silly. You are not being silly. In fact, you probably are being smart. And if your faith is journey, you are very smart. I'm talking about the dedication, however, that we give to things. That's where I'm going. So that's why Kenneth Higgins said it. Lillian B. Yeoman said it. In fact, he was quoting the other two people. So he added his own voice to it. And because those days, when people will come to the healing rooms of John Alexander that way, the day you arrive... They have a lot of workers there. Sometimes they pray for you on the spot. Other times they just assess your faith and they say you're not ready for prayer. In fact, Lillian B. Humans got healed in no, uh, no, Alexander Dawi's healing rooms. G Lake was trained by Alexander Dawi. partly at least. Okay? So he continued that um, practice. What they do is you come, they pray for you immediately. A lot of people get healed on the spot. Or well, sometimes they just talk to you, assess your faithing. You are not ready for prayer yet. You know what you do? You come to school. You will stay there and start learning. They expect you to be there for weeks. You attend services two, three times a day. That you will sit down there and hear the word morning, afternoon, and literally. In fact, Lilian B. what they just looked at her and just gave her a Bible. Hey, sit down there and be reading. She read for a week and got healed. She read for a week. And God healed. So one old man just came, looked at her, talked with her for some time. Gave her a Bible. Hey, start reading. Read the scriptures for a, a week. And this woman was a practicing physician and surgeon. I think in Canada, but in North America. But came to the U.S. for, for the for, to, be, to be prayed for. So when she got healed and returned, she, had, she threw away her stethoscope. <laughs> threw away everything and said, hey, this one works like this. What am I doing on this side? The woman became a healing minister. You can Google her story, get her books, Lillian B. Humans. Humans is W O E M A N S. She said, Wow. So, what have I been doing all these years? Doing this other kind of medicine. She said, Prescribing God's medicine for people. Now, I'm saying that to remind us again that we need a dedication to the Word of God. God works miracles. Somebody say Amen. Amen. But that's not the main thing He likes to do. Miracles are emergency things he does for people. Let me just help you quickly. What you'd rather do is to train you over time. I hope you're getting my point. I like one man. He did a message on it. He called it miracles versus blessing. The blessing is what he expects us to walk in. So, can I quickly say this again? Don't feel bad if you don't have dramatic testimonies in your life. There's nothing wrong with you just giving thanks to God. I woke up this morning, and breathing. Don't assume it's normal. Apostle, you, why don't tell do the story of one woman that every time you say testimony, she will get up. One day the pastor said, enough. Ah, this old woman, every time get up. Oh, God woke me up this morning. Set me on my way. I came here peacefully. I'm going home peacefully. Praise the Lord. Ah, after some time, I passed a whisper to the ushers. Next time, that woman wants to tell her to sit down. So he stopped the woman from testifying. God said, all right. So God came to his house and held him by the neck. What, what does that happen to him? Eh? Yes, he couldn't yeah, he couldn't use the toilet for how many weeks? About one week. His bio refused to move. God said, Oh, you didn't think he's worthy offense Thanksgiving? Sit down there now. He said, God, I beg now. Better let my daughter testify. <laughs> yeah, this re- God said, eh. Oh, you think that thing is common, Abby? Okay. Go and move your bios by yourself. So you don't want to testify about it. Now, what I'm saying so is that, you see, if you don't have dramatic stories to tell all the time, don't assume that God is not doing anything for you. Don't assume. It just didn't go that way for many reasons. You see? In fact, that you are alive. You know, one man called me yesterday, uh, two days ago, and he said, hey. Where's that doctor? You say, okay, Where is the name? There's a conference you're supposed to do. You told me you'll get me somebody. Well, give me the names. We want to start uh, preparing. I said, sorry, sir. After we spoke, the man died the following week. He said, what? I said, I'm sorry. I'll get you somebody else. He almost could have like, what? You told me that you'll get me somebody that will help me do this. I said, yes. A specialist doctor for information. I said, I'm sorry, sir. The young man is gone. He was, of course, understandably alarmed. So if you are alive, you just give your thanks. I don't like thinking about human heart. I don't like thinking about it. You know I don't like thinking about it. It Makes me wonder why it has not stopped. The human heart, it can't stop beating. If it stops beating for five, six seconds, you pass out. If it doesn't resume beating in the next few minutes, your brain is dead. And when they say brain is dead, it means the rest of you just useful for donating, donating the organs. That's what I was talking about brain dead. The truth is that dead, you're dead. Dead is dead. I hope you're getting my point. But we we'll just use the word brain dead so that we'll tell you, okay, if you want to remove the kidneys and remove the lungs and remove the heart. To, oh no, the heart is not working anyway. <laughs> remove part of the body to give somebody else. Maybe you can that is, this your brain has to have his supply of oxygen and other stuff regularly. You don't interrupt it for up to six minutes. So you know, see why I don't like thinking about it. You go to you go to, you to to sleep at night. Your house is full of human beings. If they put something to be to be recording the heartbeat, all you'll be hearing all over the house because you know maybe a house has like ten people sleeping inside. If I just tap something to the heart and put it on loudspeaker, you know, go sleep. Because each person is doing So imagine 10 people doing tukum, tukum, tukum. <laughs> You'll be seeing eruptions everywhere. And then you are 40 years old, you are 50 years old, you are 60 years old, and you think there's no reason to give thanks. Must be high on Purumiri. <laughs> I'm telling you. Now, I'm saying something here. So don't assume, because sometimes... God does His blessing doesn't come dramatically. It doesn't just come. Whoa! Oh, I was about to die, then God came through. Because uh, why do, you, do we, why do you even have to go close to death? You know, my wife and I were sharing something yesterday, and listen, what I want to say is true. I, you know, I'm used to it. I know I'm not a very odd preacher. I told my wife, you know, if 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 we come here now, people are falling under the power. Touch it, you hit the floor. Everybody falling, falling all over the place. People say there's power in that place. So next week, all your neighbors will come to come and experience power. And you touch them, wah, they hit the floor. And then you touch them, they rise in the air. You just want to say, praise God. They fall, hit the chair backwards. And they say, there's power in that place. And they say, let us begin to pray. People will be doing all kinds of things. Like, and again, we say they almost climbed the wall. So something led to it. Please, well, you are used to me by now. That's why you are sitting here. Other logging in or sitting down physically. If you see such things, don't be impressed. What did I say? Don't be impressed. Is it bad? No, it's not bad though. But don't make it look like, wow, strange things are are happening. Nothing's happening. You know why? I was showing to my wife, she was shocked to hear me say it. I said, when the Bible says the Holy Spirit descended as a dove on Jesus Christ... You know what that means? I'll tell you. He received all the anointing possible on this earth, from that's in the universe. And he walked away from the water like nothing happened. He did not fall, he didn't scream, he didn't shout. Small hit the apostles, they were staggering. The day of Pentecost. Now Small <laughs> just came like this cloven tongue. Everybody was staggering, staggering. They couldn't stand up. They couldn't stand up. I hope you know that's why they said they were drunk. It's not because we're speaking strange languages. Who has drinking ever taught Latin? Have you ever said that, okay, I want to speak Igbo? You go and buy um, um, uh, sharks, you know, you go and buy dry gin, finish a bottle say now, it uh, doesn't going to happen. If you were not speaking Igbo before, drinking he ain't going to give it to you. I hope you're getting my point. When they said they were drunk, it was because they couldn't stand. Do you get my point? Yeah, they were just staggering all over the place. They were not complaining that they were drunk because of the languages they were speaking. Now where I'm going? With Jesus Christ, the heavy dose entered one person and they got up from the water and nobody noticed. When Saul came near the house of Samuel, he lost control. I hope you're getting my point. It was dramatic. When they say the Holy Spirit came on away like a dove, I've reasoned about it. Now, This is, you probably haven't heard this before. Probably. Because I've never heard anybody else say it. I, somebody gave me that idea over 30 years ago. About 35 years ago. And it stuck with me and I've been researching about it. John the Baptist saw the Holy Spirit come down. But I think, he, didn't, he wasn't flapping wings. Like lakey lakey. <laughs> the form in which he saw him, it could have been like a flame. All right? Like a cloud, these are the patterns we see all over Scripture. I believe that when they use the word dove, so bodily he saw the Holy Spirit, no doubt. Maybe like a person, maybe appear like an angel, and just enter whatever one. But when he hit Jesus Christ, it was as if a dove pitched, was gentle like a dove. So Jesus just got up from there and walked away, and John is looking like eh, hey. Eh. When these entered people, they fell down. When this one touched people before, they were scattering, they, they removed their club, began to run. What is going on here? What I'm going to emphasize is that in the case of Jesus, do you know, if Jesus had received the anointing these days, you know, the way we do, you know, like under our own circumstances. we well, I've just come to church, he prayed, he said is bowed, and he just walk out. He won't say, he won't fall under the power, he won't speak in tongues, he won't scream, he won't do anything, he won't say anything. he just walk out. The only thing is that next time he touches the dead, they will get up. Now, why I'm saying all of this is that, so don't feel like uh, you didn't feel goose pimples pass through your body. It means God is not working in your life. Look, most of these most dramatic or most important and serious things he will do in you, you won't even notice they are done. You just observe later that, when was this done? It's been done. Do you get my point? You just observe later. What happened? We get caught with these um, dramatic manifestations, which God allows once in a while, and many of them is because we can't handle the glory. I hope you get my point. It's so heavy, it knocks us down. We now think it's a sign of the weight of the glory. Meanwhile, it's a sign of our inability to carry it. So, if God built you up gradually, <laughs> now can I just say this? <laughs> so, if, if anointing is falling down, if is falling down, you didn't fall down. Don't feel bad. Yeah, it doesn't mean you didn't receive anything. There's a, there's a misconception amongst us that, uh, in fact, we used to teach it in Word of Faith, that if they lay hands on you, you didn't speak it or you didn't receive. That thing is not true. It's not in, okay, let me put it. It's not accurate. They lay hands on you. They are ten in a row. You all believe. They lay hands. Eight people fell under the power. The one that didn't fall shouted, screamed, screamed loud. And then you, you stood there with faith. You did not scream. You didn't fall down. What is wrong with me? Nothing is wrong with you. It could just be that you have very strong legs that, not, you know, they, that is to knock you down. Yeah. It, it, it may just be. Don't, be. don't be carried away. Do you get my point? Please. This is not to make light of spiritual manifestations. But this is to let Christians know that the word is more real than those manifestations. Because I've seen teachings like that, that uh, and the person did nothing, so it means he'll come back tomorrow. No, it's not necessary. You read in that book. You, why, can't, why, don't you, why can't you just believe you have received and you keep going? The manifestations will fill your life. When the Holy Spirit fell on Jesus Christ, there was nothing dramatic that happened. Same thing with Paul, the apostle. Go and read it. The only thing that happened to him was that he was blind. So they came to pray for him that he might receive his sight and receive the Holy Spirit. Read the context. Apart from the fact that he started seeing skills, of course, which some like skills fell off his eyes. That's all. The man who got up, was baptized, and then shook the world. You are getting what I'm saying? Yes. What I'm saying, all of this is that, look, let's understand that what God requires is for us to take His word very seriously, be patient with Him, and make following Him and His word a regular part of your life. It's not between now and now, He will do something. If He does something, fine. If He doesn't do it, He will do it tomorrow. He will do it, in fact, many times He has done it. You are the one not seeing it. Many times it's you finished with it. You just can't recognize it. I know where I began this from. Because I said that now I talk for long. <laughs> you know, that's why we started talking about it. And somebody says, This is long. I said, We need patience with God. We do. And I was talking about the fact that people give patience, they deal with many things patiently. They invest in stocks. So If you see some people are holding on to the stock they invested in, I mean, while the stock is going to die. It's not even the word of God. Though. The thing is planning to, but they are still holding on. One day I saw one young man's um, comment. He invested in cryptocurrency, you know. So, of course, after, no you know, what happened to crypto was I started very low. They just, there was a period, just started rising, rising, rising. From less than $1,000 in a short while, it was $20,000 for Bitcoin, and all the, other one, all the other one, Litecoin, Ethereum, all of them were just following, following, following. Follow. And they were creating all kinds. Most of them have disappeared, you don't know. But they were creating all kinds of money. So a lot of young men, digression, I'll get back to my message in a moment. All right? Don't look for quick money. Don't let anybody's testimony of how you got quick money pull you into looking for quick money. Quick money is quick trouble. I hope you're getting my point. Please don't bother. Temptation is testimony. I'm to say people are investing what they call NFTs. Have you ever heard of NFTs? Oh, you don't know what NFTs. NFTs means nothing actually happening, but people invested in it. They call it non fungible tokens. They use the word fungible so that you will get confused. You don't need me a fungible. It just means non copyable token. But if I call it non copyable, you will say so what? So I have to give it the name like non fungible. So like it must be fungus or something that (laughs) digital fungus. All those who put their money inside. That one, the, most of the money they invested in is dead. So this young man said, so, of course, everybody invested, so, ah, As soon as they all finished investing, it didn't crash. And it's been on the crashing level since. A lot of people, now, this is where I'm going. One young when I said that, we see, long-term investor is what I am. I hold on in my mind. You <laughs> hold on? Okay. That no, no need to panic. No need to panic. You should panic when you invested <laughs> in something you don't understand. People say no need to panic. What nonsense is this? When it's the word of God, they will panic. Exactly. If God says you can prosper in this country, they say, no, Boko Haram is coming. They say, you need another plan. But when they have invested their money in strange things, let me just give you tips of investment. That's not the message, but it's a tip. If you don't understand it, don't put your money in it. Warren Buffett explained that to the whole world, but people won't listen. He said, if I cannot explain what you are doing to my mother, I can't put my money in it. That I, sh- I, sh- I should understand it so well, I would explain it to my mother. He said, if I can't, I will invest in it. And that's the principle you should go by. You know, some people will draw cats, no cats. They draw cats and they now sell it as NFT. A drawing of a cat on their phone. They say it's NFT. What does NFT mean? See, this is my drawing. Nobody else can copy it. Who cares? I can draw my own (laughs) cat. Tell you the truth. I know I'm digressing. I'll get back to my message. I know where I went to do that from. All right? I can drive my own cat. You know, this and un- celebrities know what they do. Please, don't let... Anyway, there's no need me explaining to you how not to get caught. Just don't love quick money. If you are not looking for quick money, going somewhere to bet, bet Nigeria, 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 Niger, squeeze bet, all those kind of bets, you won't have any problems. But when I become president, I'm banning all those betting companies in this country. Yeah, misleading young people. I do it, I'll drive all of you out of the country. Because you're confusing young people. Please, there's no quick money. Don't love it, don't desire it. You are just finishing school, you are believing God for BMW. You should believe God for a king. <laughs> With you, they will reset your brain. You are serving, you are currently serving, and you're already telling God by next year, you should have this kind of car and live in this kind of house, you car to drive to, you don't even know where you are going. <laughs> I don't know people believe in God for cars, they don't know where they are going. No, it's very funny. You know how to use your faith properly. There's no quick money, please, get it. There's, what did I say? It no doesn't exist. doesn't. Don't, don't even desire it. Just say, God, see, I'm doing my NYC now, it will soon finish. you prepare something for me. Two things I need, I'm still young. I want to learn, I want to serve. What does he? say? I want to learn, I want to serve. That's all. That's what you don't go to the place, and say, how much are you paying? Don't start with that. In your mind, what can I learn from here? How can I be of service to humanity? To people around. If you can't find that, go away. Because are, Satan can use money to buy your destiny. You won't learn anything, you won't serve anybody. You walk in a place where if you die, you don't come to work next day. say, what happened? You didn't come. Okay. And they continue working like nothing happened. Le- leave that job. Any job you are going, you don't go, just test them. Don't go for two days. Nobody's, nobody cares. You don't look around and say, excuse me, I didn't come to work for two days. Say, ah, okay, you are back. Okay, continue. Ah! Ask them, why did you employ me? They say, my friend, there are 100 of your type here. Eh? Just start looking for another job. Even if the money is half, ah. Let me go to a place. When when I come, they will know a human being came, not Chat GPT came. <laughs> <laughs> Artificial intelligence. <laughs> ah, the Lord is good. That's an aside. Please, I know I, know I went. I just want to help some people. Don't look. For, it's not necessary. You are young. It is wrong. It's a wrong time to look for money, is is the right time to bear your burdens, to look for how you can learn and how you can bless people. Please, I'm on a digression, let me finish my digression, okay? Remember, one thing you must aim for in life is that my name must be tied to something. I hope you're getting my point. Like now, if you hear Pastor Banky is going to this place, you naturally carry your Bible if you are going there. You expect what? To hear the word of God being taught. That's what I'm talking about, being tied to something. It was the day we sat down here. One of our brothers came, was passing through time. He had to go somewhere. We just sat down, so we're trying to help him out. In fact, he was laughing. He said, "Ha, ah, look at you people just solving my problems right on the seat here. He said, I want to do this. so I said, okay. He said, okay, he said, okay. he's supposed to go hell tomorrow morning. Um, okay. Um, Tell Reverend, any taxi man you know? He said, yeah, there are two guys. He brought out his phone. He called the taxi pe- people. Ah, He said, okay, uh, in, in this... um. He wants to lodge somewhere. So okay, no problem. Call this hotel, you know. We just ah, the guy will looking like. What are you who, in this place? You seem to have all the solutions at the sitting. Now, where I'm going is that each issue he brought up, we have somebody to call. Each issue he brought up, we call somebody. The question is that how is your name saved on people's phones? That's what I'm asking. Some people's name, eh? You save it. Uh, you put his name. She need to do crazy. <laughs> because you know once they call, you don't want to talk. Better go to what name of that app? TrueColor. Check how people saved your name because True Color will let you know. Get a new no, phone, just use to dial your own self. Put True Colour, just say, ah, nonsense guy. Ah, I just know that <laughs> you have a problem. But the good thing is that to put your name, Chinedu plumber. Chinedu, you know, this thing. You know? Even Chinedu tanker. You know? Something that when they need, they will remember you. That's what I'm talking about. That's what you should be aiming for as a young person. To have a niche for yourself that you are important in people's lives. One guy cracked a joke, very beautiful joke. He said that it came out in the morning. So I think it really happened. So the guy tweeted the thing. Everybody who saw that joke laughed. He said, imagine, this woman did not open today. And I've already bought the bread. <laughs> do you get the joke? Yes, yes. He said, this woman did not open today. And I bought the bread. He said, people should know how important they are in people's lives. <laughs> the, woman open. the woman didn't get it. that They are meant that this is their breakfast. I never forgot that joke. Because I bought the bread. So like, what am I supposed to do? You know, the way that's what this African burger, you know? He has bought the bread supposed to insert the the ham, you know, the the acram, you know that kind of thing <laughs> inside, and eat his breakfast. What am I saying? Your plan should be to be important in people's lives, yes. not to get money from it. Just to be important. Please, I, I, let me not get stuck on that because I'm I, I'm already stuck, and I am going to remove my feet from the quicksand or the gum. Let me get back to the main thing. I went to that thing that you see, you know, I told you I knew where I was, you know. That people. Hold on when, even, when they even hold on to funny things. Like, that's why I told the story of the young man who wanted to hold on to his crypto assets. By the way, you know Elon Musk, that guy, you know he smokes, you know he smokes, wee oui, wee. Oui. So, when he builds, like somebody said, it's not correct, you can understand. Okay, so don't be angry. If you smoke hemp, you will behave like you're crazy. It's normal. I have a classmate, he's a psychiatrist in the UK. He so said this one, they are legalizing Indian hemp everywhere. He was trying to say that they have been. They are lying. That they can see the effect. They work, you know, in the clinics, and these people is running. This thing is running people mental. He said, but they will, they will come around one of these days. Okay. Anyway, by the way, that's just an aside. So in the hemp smoking guy, after he bought all his crypto, he said he would never sell crypto that Tesla is holding onto his crypto asset. One year later, he sold it. Why people were not watching? And first time Tesla made money. And it pained because I knew one third of that money came from Nigeria. From small, small boys who wanted quick money. A lot must use to become richer. That's an aside. So people hold on. Even to things that have no substance. That's why I went through that. I took a digression to tell people, please, stop looking for quick money. People hold on to things that have no substance. But when they see somebody holding on the word of God, they mock. You know the truth? We don't believe, a lot of us. If somebody wants to hold on to God, the only thing you need to do, just check whether that faith is what? Genuine. genuine. That's the only thing I will ask you to go and learn. How to check whether the fellow's faith, of course, your own faith, most importantly. But if you are helping somebody, before you assess the situation, what are the things that show that the person's faith is genuine? And if anybody is genuinely holding on to God, please, oh, don't be a Satan. Allow the person. What I'm teaching is that all of us should learn how to hold on to God. And when we are walking with God, it's not for, in fact, that's one thing. Don't set hopes that God didn't set. The most important hope, you know, we have two things. That are the same thing, hope and calling. That's what you heard about, the hope of our calling. The most important thing that we are looking forward to in life is Christ-likeness formed in us. Now, I'm going to my message for today now. Okay, i finished with all of that uh, preambling. Just trying to explain that we need to have patience with the word of God. The most important hope we have is Christ being formed in us. Let's bear that in mind. It is not, I give offerings, I paid my tithe, and God will reward me back with abundance. I pray that that thing will end in the body of Christ shortly. Amen. That doctrine has overstayed. It's an unfortunate doctrine that prospered amongst us. And I say it clearly. It's an unfortunate doctrine that prospered amongst us. In which people are taught, tithes so that God can bless you. Give so that God can multiply you. And so our motive, because you see, motive is very crucial with our Lord. So people were tithing so that God will rebuild the devourer. They were tithing so that God will bring abundance. They were giving so that God will multiply. And God never accepted any of those offerings. The motives were wrong. They were not worthy offerings to Him. I don't care how long. You know, human beings, some people can very stubborn. Because they've done it for 20 years. And then they erroneously think that's why they've been prospering. Let me just quickly tell you something. Our God is very good. And when He knows you are walking in ignorance, He overlooks it. He won't say because you believe one thing that is wrong now and it's not a major matter, He now won't let you eat. But you now think because of your tight, you can eat. And let me tell you when it will stop working. The day you meet me. Because one, once God tells you the truth, He demands you walk by it. Yes. If you want to quote for Him that, but it has worked all this while. He said it never worked. I just overlooked. And when you decide you want to continue, then He has to teach you the truth. It's a terrible thing that we just allow to prosper for a very long time. I say it again and again. Christians don't do good works for what they are going to get. And they say the highest reward for a man's labor is not what he gets for it, but what he becomes by it. Our focus in everything is to become. That's the hope. That's the calling. We have been called, and we are, you know, we, the expectation is that we will become like Christ Jesus. Why do you serve? So that in serving, you become like Jesus. I hope you're getting my point. That's it. Anything you do so I can become like Jesus. I preach this again and again. And for preachers who are afraid, many preachers are afraid that I will stop. People have said, people have discussed me before. Pastor Banky doesn't want Christians to prosper. <laughs> one day, one brother told me that he went somewhere and he heard somebody, a woman who was supposed to be a prophetess or some sort, said that uh, that thing Pastor Banky is doing is not good. So he asked the person. What's Pastor Banki doing? That he doesn't want Christians to prosper. Why? He said that he doesn't tell them to tithe and sow seed and stuff like that. Okay. So the brother came and met me. So, so and so. I said, you said the person is what? A prophetess. I said, go and tell her to keep prophesying. And she, please allow me to keep teaching. That's the only answer I gave. I didn't argue. I didn't argue. I said, argue over what now? And please come and learn. Come and learn now. I want you to prosper, so I will now lie to you. Of course, I won't do that. The truth is that it doesn't work like that. We don't prosper out of our offerings and our tithes. No, we don't. We prosper out of the promises of God. We have His abundant promises. We activate those things by faith. If we do good works, it's our nature. I hope you're getting my point. It's our nature. Our faith in his promises will, I was going to say can, but let me say it will reflect in our liberality in which we give without calculating what we bring back. I hope you're getting my point. So that when we're giving, we're not even thinking about it. You can't be such a calculator when it comes to giving. Everything is calculated. It's not right. You should be liberal-minded. It's a sign of faith. I hope you're getting my point. But we're not doing something because of what we are going to get. We have just one desire in life. That is to become exactly like Christ Jesus. In that process, many other things will come out naturally out of our lives. The most important one is that we fulfill everything he proposed and ordained for us to fulfill. That is why, please, no matter what you are doing in life, this must be the paramount quest of your heart. To become like Christ. This must be the paramount quest. To become like Christ Jesus. I always talk to preachers when I preach. Preachers. You have not been called to grow a big church. It is not a sign of success. Last year we were 250. This year we are now 700. And we are believing God that before the year 2025. Will be 2000 in this city. Hallelujah. It has no meaning. It doesn't have any meaning. It absolutely has no meaning. Like I keep on saying, 200 sheep, as far as Jesus is concerned, is better than 200 sheep plus 5,000 goats. Yes. Jesus doesn't like this idea. So if you are using methods to gather goats, it doesn't impress him. Now to impress you, when you go out, the people will be bragging on you. That man is a pastor of a 25,000 member church. If something is getting to your head, you need repentance. You need to go on a retreat. You need to go on a retreat and say, God, please, oh. When they, told me that, when they announced that my church was 25,000 people, you know, I felt so good. That feeling is a sin. What's the name of this um, Chinese-American man, the pastor? Francis Chan. Yes. Francis Chan started the church. it grew and grew and grew. One day he looked at it. He said, I've become a celebrity. He resigned. Handed the church over to the leader. and said, people should manage. I'm going to start another thing. What is his reason? He said, ah, people, that most people just seem to come to watch me perform on Sundays. He said, no, I can't live like that. So he left and went and started, you know, small churches in different in homes, going from one to the other to teach. Now, I'm not saying having a big church is a sin. That I say so. No, sir. But getting your gratification from that number is a problem. That's what I'm saying. There's something about God and results. And Jesus said it clearly. He said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will be what? Added. Added. Let's get, look, let's believe for God's additions. What I'm trying to say is that when it's an addition, it's not your focus. I hope you're getting my point. Jesus said your focus should be what? Kingdom of God and his righteousness. And kingdom of God is in two areas. Number one is in your own life. And then your desire is to spread it around. That should be Your primary focus. Anything God gives you. Please, if you are not around for our last two meetings on Tuesdays, please, I beg you, get the messages. I talked on intercession. we will be talking about prayer basics. And two Tuesdays ago, I did the first one on intercession. And last week, Tuesday, I did the second one on intercession. There, I explained something. Now, when God gives you anything in life, any title you have, the first assignment in that thing is what? Prayer, intercession. That is if they said you are a husband, your first job, you are a husband. You are a husband to a wife, right? Your first job is to pray for the wife. If they say you are a wife, okay, that means you are a wife to a husband. Your first duty in life, pray for that husband. If they say you are a father or you are a mother, that is you are a father or mother to children, your first duty is to pray for those children. If they say you are a citizen of a nation, your first duty under the umbrella of that word, citizen, is to pray for your country. You're a worker, all right, in a particular office. Your first assignment is to pray for your establishment, to pray for the ownership, to pray for the leaders of that place. Anything, just check it. Any title you carry, you're a pastor. Your first assignment is to pray for those who hear you. Not to preach, not to teach. The first assignment is to pray. And you go and read your Bible, you find that that was what Jesus did. He prayed for his disciples and prayed for those who. Who will what? Hear who will believe by their words. And then he went to the cross. First, he came as a human being primarily to end the right to pray. Because if he was not touched by the feeling of our infirmities, he would not have been able to pray. Then he went to the cross, offered himself. When that was done, what did he resume again? Intercession, The prayer assignment. He continued to pray. And the Bible now says he ever lives to do that job. What I'm saying is that let's not labor for the additions. I hope you're getting my point. No. So, if you're the pastor of a church, don't labor to increase the number. That's an addition. Do you follow my point? It's an addition. It's an addition. If you're running a business, don't labor primarily to expand it. Expansion is an addition. What is your job? Sow and water. No, that's what he says. Your job is what? Sow and water. God gives the increase. There's no strategy for increase. There is no strategy for increase. You can only strategize to stru- sow effectively and water effectively. There is no strategy for increase. There is none. Listen, no matter what you have been taught, believe me, it's not true. There is no strategy that can guarantee increase. Those this we need to learn you know, about church growth. Now I look back, now sometimes, please, this is not to be critical of everything, but when you are learning church growth strategies, very, very careful. I will tell everybody, go and learn faithfulness strategies. Go and learn sowing strategies. Go and learn watering strategies. And the other strategy you can learn is harvest strategies. Yeah, because the time comes in which you must put in the sickle. Why? The harvest has come. But you cannot compel or strategize to make fruit come. You can't. What you can do is pray. What you can do is beg for mercy. What you can do is be faithful in that which you have been given. What you can do, you you go and read your Bible where Jesus never strategized for growth and did not teach the church how to grow the church. What he just did was, he told them, go out and do what? Preach. Make disciples. He did not tell them how. No, you have to understand. What happened? The word grew by itself and prevailed. The word grew. See, what did you just do? Look, oh God, God help me to explain this. Satan has his own strategy. It's to ensure. You know, sometimes Satan cannot actually offer you growth without roots. Did you get my point? Let me explain. Like you are doing business as an example. One of the craziest ways to grow your business is to focus on advertising, not your product. You can end up advertising a bad product. So by the time you finish advertising your bad product, the only thing you get is a bad name. That doesn't mean the name of your company is um, okay. I just said that I won't call anybody's company. And two things came to my eyes: fan and clock. You understand? Because they're in front of me. All right. Assume your name, name of your company is Fan & Clock. You're on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Billboards, advertising Fan & Clock. You know what we'll do? We'll come there to come and buy whatever you are selling. And if it is bad, anytime we see Fan & Clock, we, <coughs> we tie it to bad product. We just tie it to an, a wrong thing. We just tie it. We don't even try. When there was one restaurant we went to eat one day. My wife said, come, well, let's go out. The whole family went there. Now they said, okay, more to this restaurant. I won't tell you which one. When that, the service was so bad that I marked them and I know that I will never eat there again. If they want me to eat there again, they will pack it, take it, away, we'll bring it to my house and serve it on my table and it is very nice. Otherwise, I'm not trekking there again. No, there's bad service, right? Then there's expensive bad service. The service was very bad. The food was bizarre taste. You know, this kind of thing that if you bought even those who hawk food on the roadside they have a lot of spices to wake up your senses. This one, They even mind the spices. Diluted soup. As they were taking my money with their POS my soul was telling them no go better for love. <laughs> my soul was angry. What, what even annoyed the, my wife the most was that one lady now came. She said she's like a manager of some sort. I said, oh, so sorry. Oh, so, you are collecting my money. You are saying sorry. You are not solving any problem that you created. You are saying sorry. So my wife said, please, can you keep this sorry to yourself? You're giving me very bad service. Said, oh, so sorry. I said, sorry about what? Nonsense. Satan can help you grow in such a way that it will kill you. Yeah. In case you do not know, that's why... It, when we were young, we learned, I didn't bother to learn the details later in life, but the simple thing we were told, there's these chemicals they call tree killer. They said that's how it kills trees. What it does is that it makes the tree grow fast. Faster than its roots. So it dies off. So it puts a growth drive on the tree. Faster than the roots can absorb nutrients and water from the ground, so it dies off. And one of my, one of my friends says, look, It's not every growth that is good. Cancer is also a growth. What am I saying? You don't strategize for growth. Jesus said it's an addition. These things are what? Added. They are added. They are added. What you are supposed to strategize for is what? To sow the right seed, which is faithfulness. To offer the right services. As believers. So whatever you are doing, if you're a pastor, I was giving us an example as a pastor, you strategize for two things. Number one, to be personally developing. And two, that anyone who comes near you must be developing too. That's why I said the issue is kingdom of God in you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Make sure you don't break the rules of righteousness. And let's put it this way. And let God do that which is pleasing in his sight. There's no strategy. I, I I've seen all kinds of strategies. One man said that he, 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 he does this, is one thousand visitations a week. How many a day then? I forgot well, maybe not to one thousand, but it was one ridiculous amount. Though. Why? Ah. Why? And for your information, don't even say, look, if you preach the right word, the church will grow. Don't even say it. Just go and preach the right word. I hope you get what I'm saying. Don't do what is right for a wrong reason. Don't. Don't do programs to grow the church. Do programs for the purpose of blessing people. Like I tell ministers, you're starting a church, say, well, this is just basic counsel. I said, you should have an outreach medium. Now, it's not a church growth medium, it's what? Outreach. outreach. That is, you must be reaching the world around you with the gospel of Jesus. One day, those early days, one young man came from one neighboring state here, and one of the cities there, and he came to see me. He put me off instantly. You know why? As I was teaching, he was obvious he wasn't paying attention. I was teaching like this. He was sitting somewhere our former venue, the hall was not as big as this, and people were even very few, so he was sitting somewhere towards the back, obviously not paying attention he had distraction. At the point in time, he got up at least twice to go and take a phone call. And this guy is a pastor from where he's coming from. In my mind, You don't even have the decency to respect the work I'm doing. And we're supposed to be in the same field, the same business, if I'm using the expression. So at the end, he requested to talk to me. And he put me up so bad I remember him till today, more than 15 years after. I can't remember his face, but I remember that experience. So he's pastor, so, 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 so uh, in my mind. Pastor, now you know if you hear a word. You couldn't even pay attention. He was so distracted. You know, he didn't come to listen to me. He came to ask for counsel on how to grow his church. Yes. He came to ask for counsel on how to grow his church. Because he asked me, because then it was shortly, This was like the first year that the way of success started on radio. And those of you who were in town that time, you know how the thing really, you know, I don't know what I can say it humbly, but it caught fire. Are you getting my point? Oh, no, the kind of reactions I got. People... <laughs> to tell you how he caught fire. One young man came to town. He said, I've left everything I have to do to follow you. I'm not joking. Ah, I don't know how many people here remember the guy. He, he said, I left everything. He came from somewhere, Benue or Kogi. What's your plan? Nothing. Anything I tell him to do, that's what he came to do. Where are you planning to stay? He has no way. Anything I tell him to stay, that's what he's going to do. This man, the man just came to follow me. I looked at it. I like, God. I can't carry this load. <laughs> so I told. So they, we talked to him. I remember I told Reverend Uncle. They talked with him, and gave him money to go back. He came without money. <laughs> you, you don't get. He couldn't go back. He did not have the money to go back. He wore, I remember. It was just. Just the way he dressed. That's how he was dressed that day. <laughs> he wore <laughs> just like this. He wore a jacket. And he sat down while I was teaching, he was listening. Then he said, he just that he came, he has left everything. Up. He abandoned everything he was doing somewhere in Beno or Kogi. That he came to follow me. If it is now, maybe I'll have plans for him. Yeah, probably renting me house somewhere. I said, Okay, come, my boy, we'll be following, following the Apostle of up and down. Go and learn how to drive, drive him around. <laughs> Anything he does, just say, Yes, sir. Just be following. Be, I'm serious. He came from, that's how it was. The first day we went on air. One young man, was a student in the University of Nigeria, Nsuka. He just entered the vehicle and I come to Enugu. He didn't know where he was going. So when he got to Enugu, mm, where do I go now? He went to the radio station. You guys are the one broadcasting that man of God. He said, yes. He said, where is he? <laughs> they looked like, what? We don't know where he is. He said he came all the way from Nsuka to come and look for me. So those guys were making four calls up and down. They didn't have my personal number. Finally, somebody, call somebody, call somebody, call somebody. By the time I saw the young man in the evening, he wa- it was raining. He was soaked. He ha- you know how many times he heard me on radio? Once, not twice. They f- he had me preach once, 30 minutes on radio. He boarded the next bus and came to Enugu. What do you want? He said, he wants me to adopt him as a son. No, that's what I said. <laughs> that radio broadcast, it wasn't, it, it, it was not human. No, it was, it, it was not the things I said. It was not the way I said. It was just the Holy Spirit. Because some of the things you hear, you're like, what? One of my sisters, came and said, there's one military man he wants me to meet. That the guy is a Muslim. That the guy doesn't miss the program for anything. I never got to meet the guy. He said, military officer, it's too deep here. So I told the man that, look, he's my lecturer, so I'll arrange for you guys to meet. But I never met him. He said, he's Muslim. He said he will never miss the program for anything. The the MD of the radio station at that time, one day I I went to New Haven to cut my hair. So some of you are wondering which hair, what. (laughs) You should have known me at that time. So so along the line, so I just met somebody, you know. Ah, how are you doing? So the person I introduced... He said, do you know this man? I don't care. He said, ah, this is also a surprise. Said, oh, I know the name. I greeted him. He said, oh, this pastor. Ah! Now, for your information, before we could come on radio, it was only because he traveled. He has said no preachers on the radio station. But the acting, that GM or MD, whatever be the type, the chief executive anyway, who acted for him while he was gone, felt that, no, 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 we need to make money for this um, radio station now. The preachers pay. So, so I was the first Preacher. So when he came back, I heard he made a lot of trouble that who put a preacher on air? Because the real owner, you know what I'm talking about, of the radio station, his sister's pastor wanted to come on air, and he refused. No, he came, The owner of the radio station. The sister's pastor wanted to come on air, and this MD refused. Only for him to travel, and then he came back, and there was this preacher on air. He was so upset that what if the those other people here. What excuse will he have now? You know, he was just angry. Yet he heard the word a few times. That day he met me in New Heaven. When they say, oh, this is Pastor Banki," he shook my hand. He was so pleased to meet me. Oh, God will bless you for what you are doing. Young people need to hear what you are saying. He, he kept on talking. He pulled down his shirt to show me where he was shot. The bullet went through me, some major vessels, narrowly, came up from his back, you know. He said, I'm sure if those boys had heard you, they will not be shooting people. That's what he told me. He, he put on the shirt to show me where the bullet went through, came out of his back. And I said, It's God that saved this man's life. Because the, the vessels in there, if they had burst one, he would have been bled to death. Now, that's how the message. That time, man, I'm on there. And some of those messages, only my wife be there, so I just preach out to my wife, put her for radio. Now that was the kind of thing we were doing. Now I know where I went to do that for. So the way the thing went, that it wasn't my doing. He just caught fire. I remember with the, the, the guy at the radio station. I went and met him. I want to cut down to fifteen minutes. He said, "Why?" He said, "Is it money, Pastor?" I said, "Yes. Want to meet people twice a week instead of once? Well, it used to be thirty minutes once a week." He said, "No, no, 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 no. If it's money, let's see what we can do." They sat down, and negotiated. When they gave me the deal, even me, I was like, "What? You take this amount of money?" It was so fantastic. So that was the kind of situation that I gave all of this background, all right? Of course, partly to give testimonies of how we began, and then to, see, to show you why that young man came all the way to see me. That's what he was paying attention to. Ah, this guy. Right? Of course, I'm sure when he came, he was a bit surprised that, you know, when you hear that kind of thing going on, you expect to meet one congregation of like 2,000 people that, when they worship the whole of Enugu here. He came to where we gathered two or three in his name, and he was in the midst of us. <laughs> And I sat at the back, hardly paying me any attention. And at the end he came up to ask me, is anyone to see me? His spouse so and so and so, okay, you are a pastor, you are welcome. What can I do for you? You said, I asked me about the radio program. How do we do it? How do we fund it? And this and that. And I said, How has he affected the growth of the ministry? And I realized that this guy is lost. He needs to be found doesn't get it. And I told him that I don't know. I've never cared about that. That was the answer I gave him. I told him I don't know. I've never cared about it. And I wasn't lying. I didn't notice personally a remarkable change in number. It. it may have happened. Of course it would have happened. Some people have heard and they would have come. And you understand, a lot of people here, they want to go to the church. Many times people come to our office, it's locked. Because they come on Sunday and we don't meet on Sundays. Many people started looking for the church I attended so they could attend. And quite a number of people did that. So I told the young man, I don't know. And I've never cared about that. His own was that, ah, all of this. The people would say, how do you harness? (laughs) Have you heard that before? (laughs) Yeah, I've heard it. You need to harness this popularity. You have to harness, you know. You'll be looking at them. They'll be doing programs God did not send them to do. Because they want to harness. (laughs) (laughs) On to harness. <laughs> no, we never cared to harness anything. We just said, what are we supposed to do? So whatever you are doing, please focus on things. See, there's nothing wrong with having desires. If you run a business, you want it to expand. In fact, he said, be fruitful. Do what? Multiply. What I'm just saying is that fruitfulness is not by force. The only thing you can do, these are the keys. One, sow the right seeds, water. What is the right seed? It's simple. Do what you are supposed to do. Do it diligently. Add your water. Speak the word of God over what you are doing. The only other thing you can do is to make requests of the Lord. You can't force growth to happen. no. <laughs> you know, let me beg you again. Don't let anybody deceive you that they know how to grow. The wrong people to go and ask are those who have grown. It's counterintuitive, but that's actually the truth. People say that go to those who have results to show. When the Bible says he himself does not know how. Yes. Don't you read the Bible. There's this fallacy we go around and say you, have, you need to have results. And when you have results, you have results to show. You show the people how you got the results. It's a lie you don't know. Go ahead and ask Jonah how he got results. You know Jonah now? Yes, Bros. Jonah. Yes, sir. If you read Rick Jonah, Rick Jonah said he was the most anointed prophet of the old times. Or the former time. He said nobody got the kind of results he got. Isaiah prophesied, they 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 the sawed him asunder. Jeremiah prophesied, do you get my point? Nobody believed him. I'm telling you, the Ezekiel, and also the test to because they don't mind it; they just follow you for nothing. He said you are to them an entertainer, and these are people who had passion. You, if, if you were, if you listen to that series uh, on the intercession, we talked about Jeremiah. He prayed, he prayed. You know what happened? Nothing. Who believed him? Isaiah prophesied until he said, I'll spend my strength for vanity and for emptiness, for nothing. Prophesied until he was tired. As for Ezekiel, God said, see all these boys following you. To them, you are nothing but an entertainer. And these were passionate people. Yet, Jonah was reluctant. God had to kill him first, before he obeyed. Very reluctant to be. He said, Go to Nineveh. Go and cry against Nineveh. He says that the walk around Nineveh was how many days? Is it two or three days? Anyway, he did half. He did one and a half days and went back home. I can imagine he even raise his voice. Nineveh, he in trouble. 40 days, those were. <laughs> as reluctant as this fellow was, a whole nation. Eh? I wish somebody would just change Nigeria like that. As reluctant as he was, a whole nation, the most wicked nation at that time, repented. They so repented, he was angry. He said, what kind of repentance is this one? Making me look like a false prophet. Forty days have come, Lord. You will do what you say. You are a God whose word does not fail. If you said it, you would do it. <laughs> oh Lord, 40 days they must be overthrown. Because what about all these people there that don't know their left on their right? You want me to overthrow them, join. But you say you will. I Didn't factor in the fact that they will repent. Yeah, and go can't get the aggro. Oh no. That's how reluctant he was. Yet he got really rejoined. I talked about it. Reluctant he was, yet effective. He he was much more. So that's the person that will teach you how to make it in ministry. Go ahead and meet Jonah. Say, bros, how do you make it in ministry? Say first you will disobey God. <laughs> <laughs> you must disobey. When you have disobeyed, then run. <laughs> Don't worry, you can't run far. The Lord is going to scatter your path. Then you end up somewhere. I ended up in the water. Maybe you end up in the fire. But don't be afraid. <laughs> is that what you want to go and learn? Or you want to go to Ezekiel? Ezekiel, Ezekiel don't follow me. All the people that followed me didn't believe me. You want the church of unbelievers? Look, can't Ezekiel. No. You go to Isaiah. Isaiah said I spent my strength for nothing and for vanity. If that's it as I said, look, the only thing I achieve in this type bros. let me say, I write a book. I, thought, I don't write the book. Maybe to help somebody later. There's no body. Oh, the one you should go and meet, yes. Effective ministry. Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul say, oh boy, are you ready? Yes, let's enter a kino. No life jacket. He said, sir, you have a death wish? Sir, you say you want to be effective. That's how I did it, too. You go and meet Peter. Peter said, don't, meet, don't mind that Apollo. That guy is a glutton for punishment. You'll be making tents. I don't make tents. I take my apostle's offering. That's Peter's method. You no, know Peter had a wife? By Paul's testimony at least. Even Jesus Christ's testimony. He said, I don't believe in all those cold nights I'm moving around preaching. I stay in decent hotels. Praise God. I look, my wife always went with me. I don't understand. I mean, no need to give in to all this nonsense, temptations, pure temptation. I go around with my wife, man. And Paul is looking like this on serious brother. Now, make sure they shout for him. <laughs> and it was time to eat. I joined my friend. It says, You stand for Jesus now. Why will you be able to stand? Paul was the sufferer, man, number one for the gospel. Paul was the, he had a goatish way of suffering. You know what they call goat You And know, when you beat a goat, he comes back to the same place again. So if you want to follow Paul, that's the point I'm making. I'm sure we don't want to follow Paul. He says, sir, what are the signs of effective ministry? You want to see signs of effective ministry? Paul says, yes. The, co- the sign of an apostle. say yes, yeah, come, come, come. You expect him to be vibrating with power. Guy removes his shirt. turn him back. Say when they bombed me, there was no sky in this place. And that wicked... <laughs> He would tell you how they beat him in this place, in that place. Thirty-nine lashes, bros. At the point that they didn't see where to beat again. So that's how defective ministry. Say yes. Your fasting life. Say, oh boy, I had two kinds of fasting lives. There was this fasting life which was so busy we can't eat. The second we say we want to eat, there's no food. <laughs> oh boy, let me be honest with you. This is my brand that I know. They will not follow Paul. I Even me preaching to you, I need to go and pray to be able to follow Paul. That's why many of us, would demass the whole thing. After you enroll in the Paul's ministry, after two weeks, say, my family, they've called me. They said they don't know. <laughs> they said they don't know where this ministry is going. That is, they showed they you show the, that my friends have built houses. I've been following Paul, that even my, my old guy in ministry, they saw him that they were disappointed. There was nothing in him to even desire. When Peter came, he wore a robe, looking like Aaron. So I've gone to join Peter's ministry. They have an established branch. Where they celebrate your birthday with fanfare every year. What am I going to say? There is nobody in the Bible you see that can give you a pattern to follow. Oh, is it Jesus Christ? Ah, the worst of them all. I will preach message to drive everybody. And he will call all these closest people. Say, are you not going to? Normal people will tell people close to him. Say, the Lord sent you to stay with me. If you leave here, you will never prosper. Is that, uh, is that not how they preach? How many times have we counseled people that say that they want to leave one church? That they said that nobody leaves their church and prospers. No, I'm telling you, we get those calls. Is it Jesus you want to follow? His pattern of ministry, and then when you want to finish, now to end on the cross. Bros, if they shoot you, it's better. If you want to die, eh? Let me tell you the easy ways to die. They shoot you, they behead you. Those are two nice ways to die. To hang you on the cross is wickedness from God. Death on the cross, which God sent to His Son, is hard. I beg, mm. Lord, you don't do. Jesus don't do not do it, not just join. <laughs> so, no. Jesus, his own ministry, some of us are just looking like miracles and people are following him. You don't know the real things that he did. He preached one day when the ministry was at the peak, ministry was booming. Everybody, was coming, he said, You came because of what you will eat. He said, You want to eat? I'll give you food. You will eat my flesh and drink my blood. Everybody said, Bros, that's not what we meant. Everybody left him until he remained only twelve. So Jesus looked at him and said, "Ah, you, you guys are still around." Peter said, "We have nowhere else to go. That was why they stayed." He said, "Okay, oh you are lucky. That John the Baptist has been beheaded, or that will have returned, <laughs> <laughs> will have returned to John." Now I'm just being dramatic. Eh? That whose pattern of ministry do you want to desire to follow? The ones that got the greatest results were the most serious. Jonah. The most serious ones, nobody believed them. The ones that were serious and they got results, their method of seriousness is not nice. I hope you're getting my point. So what are you going to do? That's why I'm saying all of you, what are you now going to do now, pastor? What are you now going to do? Nobody has a predictable pattern in scripture to follow for the kind of results you are looking for. None. And as people would do, you know, I've been to church growth seminars now. We used to talk as if they, the people know how to do it. say, Anywhere you take me, tell me, tell you, I will grow the biggest church. I say, Let me carry you to Israel. The Israel of those days, when you finish, they will stone you. That's what they used to do to prophets. They will kill you, add your blood to that of the sins that God will, will avenge later. There's no method, there's none. So, what do you do? Like I said, you plant your right seeds. You water the seeds. You, anything you desire, ask the Lord for it. Then let him do that which is what? Pleasing in his sight. That's all. Please, I know some people will argue with this because you have read motivational books. Many people will argue, they've been reading all kinds of things. Don't worry. Eventually, you will find out the truth. Better find it out now. And I was saying to you, don't go and meet those who you think that they know how to, those who have gotten results. They are the wrong guest. If you want to know how to, just read your Bible. Sometimes the people that will help you the most, they don't have results to show. Please, I'm talking to preachers. I'm always dropping something for those who are preachers because so that you won't get confused. Sometimes the people that will help you the most in life, you get to their church, they are pastoring one small church somewhere. How God even led you there, you don't even know. I hope you get my point. You see the man is an old man, maybe not too old, maybe 60-something, 70-something. And when he will speak to you for five minutes, your life will change. And you'll be wondering, ah, oh God, if you know these things, why is this church not big? And he's looking at you, what is wrong with you? You think big church is what I came to do in life? I was sent to change the lives of people like you. Do you know the number of your ties that have come here and gone? If I count them, they are in hundreds. I'm telling you. The people that have so called gotten results can't help you. That teaching is popular in the body of Christ. Unfortunately, it's not good, the teaching. Steve Jobs, I like quoting him in that area. Steve Jobs said, nobody can connect the dots looking forward. Now, this was not a believer, but he saw experience in life. And like my pastor would say those days, if you live long enough, you, you will discover the word of God. That if you just see the way life is, you know the truth. He said, nobody can connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking backwards. But the way you are going forward, you don't even know where you are going to reach. In fact, you know what he said? He said, you have to believe in something. He said, call it any name you like. Of course, we are, we are believers. We believe in God the Father. We believe in his will. But the man said, look, you oh. say, apple, apple." He said, I look back. That's the only way I can tell you how we got here. But if I go the other way, I don't know which direction we are facing. And I want to add my own words to it. When you start your own too, if you try to follow my path, those paths not—they re- are not reproducible. Okay, can I say? They are not, you can't reproduce them. They are not. They, you can't reproduce them. So what you just do is constantly be faithful concerning that which God has placed in your hands. Again, let me say it. If you have desires, nothing wrong with your desires. But please go and purify your desires. Don't be asking for things that are fleshly. Say, Lord, I want our church to be 2,000. And God says, why? It's not a big, is, is it a difficult question? Yes. Uh, but answer him for him now. Say you, you want your church to be 2,000 people. And God says, why? Is it because you think you'll be more effective in ministry? Just prove it to him. Say, uh, okay. You think you'll get more money? If it's more money you want, why don't you just ask for it? Or you want to go around town feeling like a bishop? You know, you know, some people do that. They want, like, they want to feel like a bishop. So, because if your church is only 250 people, how can you call yourself a bishop? People will laugh at you now. Sometimes when you go to God and you sincerely analyze the reason why you're asking God for some things, you will have to apologize and say, Lord, I'm sorry, don't do it for me again. So it's important when you're asking God for things, purify your motives, it is important. You are there, you say, God, please, I need a visa, I need a visa. God says, Why? I need to talk to some people briefly about that. The Lord says, what? Why? Why? Nothing wrong with visas. Nothing wrong with visas. But God will say, why? What kind of visa? I want to go And Let me tell you the truth. You will will laugh about this, but it's true. The one you are likely to get an answer for quickly is the one when the, the, the thing to the average person just sounds silly. Say, Lord, please give me a visa to America. Why? So I hear the ice cream is good. It sounds silly, right? I just want to see the roads. My friends talk about it. Let me just tell you how the country is. How long do you plan to stay? Maybe two, three weeks. You'll be shocked. God is—he will give you the visa. He'll give you the money. And you will go chop ice cream. Chop strawberry. You know, get my thing. Say, okay, this is American ice cream. This is American grape. You eat it. Then drive around, shop, come back home. Because they are you happy? And I say, Lord, thank you very much. And you know the truth. You'll be surprised, some people. You know, he doesn't have any problem with that. said, Pastor, yes, he has no problem with that. There's nothing wrong with it now. I told you that there's something happened in my house. I normally don't pay for subscription TV for certain reasons because of the dominant people. Then, when World Cup came, one of my children just came and said, "Daddy, I want to watch World Cup." There was no discussion. I want to watch World Cup. He said, "Yes." Bam tap, 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 paid. Paid for a good bouquet so that he can get all the matches. Why? You want to watch World Cup. There's no fight about it. What are you going to use World Cup to do? doesn't matter. He just wants to watch World Cup. There and there. Bam. Did all the work. Did all the, you know, everything these days is remote. Reset, reset. Bam. It came on. That's World Cup for you. Let me find out. But if you tell God, say, the way this country is going, we don't know what the future is. Like, <laughs> That is the one that he's going to give you, that he will look at you like, what did you just say? He said, the future, the way these bandits are going, and he's looking at you. Mm-hmm. And so God would scr- scratch his old beer beer. What did you say? I need a place where my children can be secure. Eh? What else? At least when the power is constant, we know that "Ah, one could just come to this life. You know, ah. So, So, Lord, I brought you something. (laughs) Because you are a true Nigerian (laughs) of the old order. (laughs) You don't belong in the new Nigerian. (laughs) He said, What? See, if you had come here and said, Lord, too much insecurity, protect me. I would have protected you. If you say physically speaking, I don't know what the future holds, I would drag you into my tent and hide you there. The early this morning, I was studying Psalm 27 again. Very beautiful Psalm. It's in the time of trouble, you will keep me in his tent. He will hide me in his tabernacle. He should have just told me that. If security is what you are looking for, ask me for security. If it's prosperity. Ask, I can make it rain. That is, you come at the money, prosperity will delude you. You'll be wondering, what am I supposed to do with all this abundance? As I said, look, when you want to ask God for something, you have to be very, very careful. Just don't go there and be talking nonsense. Some people make requests of God to say, God, do something for me so that I will not need you again in life. Yeah. That's what they do. And God said, did you hear yourself? Do something for me so I don't have to pray. Do something for me so I don't have to believe. I can just rest. Because in your complacency, you will backslide. Let me just tell you, please, eh? don't be looking for easy life. Hard life toughens your spirit. A tough spirit is carried into eternity. I'm telling you the truth. Don't go around life looking for easy life. You need your spirit toughened. And I'm convinced God passes different ones of us through different circumstances to achieve the same, the same aim. Toughen your spirit, bring out Christ likeness in you. That's why James, who understood, he said, Beloved, count it all joy when you fall into diverse trials. He said, Because the trial of your faith works what? Patience. patience. He said, There's a work he's doing. When patience has had its complete work, he said, You'll be perfect and entire, lacking in nothing. That's why you should go to Jesus. Lord, What do I still lack? That should be your concern. Don't use easy life to make me not do what I'm supposed to do. Prayer, I pray to God all the time. Give me every resources need, necessary to fulfill the destiny you have given to me. The people you say I should lead, give me words to speak to them. On prayer, I pray to God that every book I'm supposed to write, please make sure I write it. I'm begging you. Give me anything that is ne- needed. So people are saying there's no constant power. You keep on asking them, what are you manufacturing? Some people, the only thing they need constant power for is sleep. No, That's why God is not even giving you. If you really need constant power for important things, he will give you. He will give you. Look, he will give you. He will give you. If you the peace you need to serve God, he will give you. The prosperity you need to serve him, he will give you. Don't go and make requests of him that will show that your your primary desire is that, God, I don't want to be needing you. Why should I need you every day? Every hour I need you. It's not a good song as far as you are concerned. It's not a good song. How does that song go again? I need you. My precious Lord. I'm, I'm waiting for that part. I need, I need you. Lord, oh, I need. Next line. Every, every hour, I need, I need you. you. Uh-huh. Oh, Listen, my, my savior. savior. I come to you. I come to you. All right. So I'm gonna go and praise the Lord. I don't like that song. I don't want to need you every hour. Just do it once, then you can go and fix other businesses. I will have everything that I need, apart from you. Be careful when you are praying that you don't say that to the Lord. This may not be in line with sound faith teaching, but let me tell you something about faith. The faith that you use to get something from God so that you don't need to come back, He won't give you. And many of us know why God is never solving some problems for us. We have not yet discovered how to attach to Him. Permanently, so the only thing they used to bring us back is small problems let 's say you open somewhere i didn 't say it. I was thinking it all. You will not laugh, but this is the truth. Mark chapter eight is where we 're supposed to start from let 's start from there. The book of Mark chapter eight. Faith has a purpose. Last time I said I wanted to continue on the genuineness of faith, but when I began to meditate this morning, I said, well, we might get there, but let's just continue as the Spirit is moving us. Mark chapter 8, I want to read from verse 27 to verse 38. Jesus went out along with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way he questioned his disciples, saying to them, who do people say that I am? They told him, saying, John the Baptist, and others say, Elijah, but others, one of the prophets. And he continued by questioning them, but who do you say, you, who do you say I am? Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ. And he warned them to tell no one about him. And he began to teach them, that's verse 31, that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, and the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days, rise again. And he was stating the matter plainly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. I will remind us of that statement in a moment and the truth about it. In verse 34, he says, And he summoned the crowd with the disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this where am I in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Hallelujah. Amen. Now what are we saying here? I want to just remind us of something I ended last time with it. We're talking about faith fundamentals, and I want to just correct something again briefly, and I will be done for today. It, like I said, it's correction. I have to correct something. The f- idea that faith has been given to us primarily to solve our problems, we should take that in of our minds. The primary aim of faith, please, I will explain this, but let me just say it that way, is to solve God's problems. What I mean by God's problems? For example, our number one problem, or the number one problem God has with us, is our flesh. I hope you're getting my point. There is this obstruction, this thing that stands between us and God, that stands between us and God's perfect will for us, that stands between us and the hope of his calling, which is the exact image of Christ Jesus being formed in us. Now, the primary use of faith is to eradicate that hindrance. I hope you're getting my point. Now, let's bear it in mind. That's why I read this. Because sometimes we think of faith as if what we are trying to do is to gain the whole world by it. I hope you're getting my point. Those early days, we learned faith, and I thank God, please, I'm not taking away from those days, but we stumbled, and that's what children do. All right, You walk, you fall. You get up, you fall. Then you get up until you get better. And then whatever you do, you stumble a number of times in the initial stages, and then you improve. So I'm not for that reason, speaking, you know, negatively about those days, I'm just trying to point out that we stumbled. The focus on faith was get this, get that, get this, get that, get this, get that. So the testimonies of faith usually were what we got. All right? Yeah, many times it reflected the faithfulness of God. But many hearts thought that faith was just giving so we could get something. You're getting what I'm saying? Many times people just thought faith was given so we could get something. I want to remind us again today that that's not the truth. The real aim of faith is so that we can give up something. Do you get what I'm saying? That's the real aim of faith. See, let's remind ourselves of the story of Abraham again. Abraham was called by God. The whole life of Abraham, all right, that was recorded for us, is just to show us that point. I said God has... That faith is to solve whose problem? He said he has a problem. Well, let's, I'm using the word problem, not as if it's too difficult for him, but something that has to be solved. And if it he, he must be solved, what is it? It's a problem. So that's what I mean. God needed a man that would be able to bring Jesus to the earth, cooperate with him. Every promise that God made, he needs people to cooperate with him for him to fulfill them. Did you hear that? Yes, I will say it again. Every promise that the Lord made, he needs somebody or people to cooperate with him for him to be able to fulfill that promise. He made a promise at the beginning, and listen, and nothing takes him by surprise, really. People have said that if God knew that man will fall, why would he still make man? Because he has to fall. If he doesn't fall, the real man will never come out. Except the seed, a grain of wheat, does what? dies. Uh-huh. It must enter the earth, fall, decay, then the real one will come out. So Adam being made and falling is just part of the process. Then the real Christ can come out. You hear what I'm saying? Yes, sir. The real person will come out. So don't, don't get hung up on the new man. Man will fall. He still made man. You say, ah, I made man. Yes, he fell. That's good. Now, self-confidence will die. And that's one thing we must achieve in this life, believers. The death of self-confidence. Oh, God has been very good to me. I tell you, the sign of blessing is what? Number one sign of blessing? Correction. Correction. When God wants to help you, starts correcting you. From the time I was young, I still remember many stories. Some of them, nine years of age. Yeah. As, as old as that. God has been going after my self-confidence. I, I, I can't. If I start again, I can give you so many stories. Once I have self-confidence, I've seen him. He will just shut tight. Some of them are embarrassing. I told the story of my friend when we were serving. He didn't know how to play. You know, you know there are people that when they want to play table tennis, how I many of you know ping pong, table tennis? You know, you throw the ball like this and you hit it. It bounces here, jumps over the net, bounces on the other side. That's the proper way. But you know some people that when they first start, they can't do that. That's how start it started. You drop the ball and then you kick it over and they allow you. Now my guy was just a little better than that stage. And me, in a little boy level of those days, I could actually play small tournaments in the school. I wasn't that bad. I mean, when I was young, I could. I was good, you know, not very good, but for our level, for children's level. Another thing kind of stays with you. So when we were seven, so we had this table tennis at the officer's mess. I served with the Nigerian Army, so that's how we used to go and play. One day we were just talking about those who could play and those who could not play. So now said, Victor can beat myself. Victor was our best player. Victor could beat anybody, even all the officers. Victor will beat the only guy our adjutant that time was the only guy here, and Victor will sweat it out. When these two guys are playing, Haba, they will sweat. The one, the one guy came. I think it was also a soldier. Came from somewhere. They came to town. And he beat Victor. Beat their, just beating everybody. <laughs> then when I came to play him, I dropped the ball. after the, uh, the bat, after a few, after a few services, yeah, just I dropped it. Because I was safe, the guy smashed it in my nose. And when I say nose, I made it to hit the the guy. You know, he he treated me like an idiot. (laughs) I remember very well. Ah, you throw the ball like this. Ah, I'm not joking. I didn't play the guy for more than a few minutes. I packed the voice. Must you behave like my bad guy? That guy was just good. Anyway, so we used to have those discussions. All right? So we're just talking. This person can be this person. There his own matter and, and I told him that there is no way he can beat me. I, I, I now made a statement the Christian should never make. I said it's not even a prayer matter. So the guy said, "Let us play." If I remember well, I think he uttered a small prayer under his breath, and he said, "Let us pray." They let us play." I said, "No problem." I took the ball and the guy thrashed me well. I will never talk about it till tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He finished thrashing me. We finished the, 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 the game. I will continue walking around the barrack like nothing happened. We were disc- it was my friend. I mean, we used to hang around a lot together. We just kept on hanging like nothing happened. We didn't play that much. Look, look, in case you want to know, we were the ones that did June twelfth election. So that's when I served, 1993. So I remember it to today. And this is year 2000 and what? 23. That's 30 years ago. Self-confidence was shattered. So Jesus looked at me and said, Banky, look this way. I look. I said, Lord, I get the point. Thank you very much. I can tell you stuff only when I was younger. The one I remember, I think I was in, that was around um, um, 1981. Secondary school. I, my friend said, look, give me something. I gave on this school I couldn't give him. He said, "Next time I need a pen, yeah, I know he's the one I will come to." I said, "You should watch it. I will never lack a pen." Next exam, I needed a pen, <laughs> and I went to him and said, oh, "Brother, I beg." <laughs> and he looked at me. He said, "Yeah, I told you last week that way. <laughs> Just forgive your guy. Give me a pen. I have not forgotten that thing. I'm telling you, in case you do not know, when the year 2023, and the story I'm telling you happened around 1980, 81. God has been any self-confidence." If I tell you, say, ah, I can drive very well. Nice, I got to be that. That is, that one I even know. I know, I don't want say it. I don't, I've learned to add something to it. Uh, God has been good by the grace of God. You know, the message of God, ah, uh, it punctuates everything I say. Because self-confidence, it more, if once you get child of God, and you think I know how to do it, all right, you're dead meat in that area. And he likes it, though. You know what? He wants to help you. Someone tells me, say, ah, Pastor Mark knows how to preach. I've never believed that thing. Like, like, you know, there are things I don't believe. That's one of them. That's how you not end somebody's ministry. <laughs> <laughs> Jukes, that's how they end your ministry. You're going to say, man, once we enter that place, anointing will flow. But I say, okay, Holy well, pray to call out the angels. Let's sit at the back. <laughs> when you I just say, praise God. Ah, the strength will just disappear. Let's read. The book of John, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the God, the word was, the God was with what? Sorry, 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 sorry. In the beginning was the words, the words were God. Ah, you can't quote John, chapter 1. At the end, you will now pray and say, let, brethren, let us pray. And God said, did you say that? He said, Lord, we need to pray. He said, Father, we thank you for your help. We thank you for everything in Jesus' name. You now go and sit at the back. The Holy Spirit will now possess you there. The next time you come back, you come humbly. Now, in case you do not know, that is why. <laughs> that's why I don't preach from notes. I can make notes too. I write books, don't I write books? I make notes too, but not they stick with them. Holy Spirit, say which one do you want? You follow your notes, or you let me use your mouth? I said, Lord, you know now. You are the Lord. The Lord is the Spirit. Is that not what the Bible says? Yes. And where the Spirit does the Lord is there is liberty. Use the down one to bless your people. So I make, that's why, I, you, know, you see me say, I wanted to say this. I don't forget things I wanted to say. I never forget, but I have learned never to stick with it. Because the days I started sticking with it, those days when I started preaching. And so these people go to that corner, sit down there. They find themselves. <laughs> say so why I say, say Banky is preaching without me. So I learned early. If I start preaching something, another word enters my mouth, I will just abandon it. Fast some people think it's a skill in praying no it's weakness I come with much trembling and weakness so that the spirit of God can possess and speak I can put structure down I told you one day I went to preach in Benin those days. just left school they gave me notes where so I spent time I wrote my notes where step 1 step 2 Peter will speak then John will add to it then we will not go to Isaiah Good. step 3 I wrote everything the first thing I saw this will stay for back only me different At the end of the meeting, that note I made for weeks and weeks. I took it and shredded it. I got the point. Shredded the note, threw it away. Next day, to come and preach, to show God I wanted to depend on Him alone, I didn't even bring my own Bible. I didn't forget to, I deliberately left it behind in the room. I walked to the meeting venue. I stayed at the moment, they said, hey, let's work with our brother, banker, and everything. I walked to the front. No Bible, no notes, nothing. When I got to the front, the brother, one brother was sitting like the second row. I just I said, please, can I borrow your Bible? He said, yes. He handed it to me. I took his Bible. Whatever I fell to, I started from there. <laughs> yeah. I still remember that day. when I finished preaching, jaws were opened. People's, one of our senior brothers, he couldn't close his mouth. He said, is this not Banky? Is that not Banky? Is that not Banky? He, his jaw was open throughout. He was looking like, what happened? Uh Since then, I learned my lesson. It's in weakness that I come to. Every time I'm going to preach, I say, Lord, you have a word for your people. Put it on my lips. Give them understanding hearts. Give them listening ears. Let me speak that which you want them to hear. Brethren, in this life, eh, God wants to kill what? Self-confidence. I think someone needs to hear that. I need to explain it. Look, so we're saying faith is used primarily to end that flesh part of us. God knew that Adam would fall, that's not a problem. Because if you have a temporary setback and you still achieve your aim and that lasts for eternity, what's the big deal for 6,000 years? What's the big what I mean, 10,000 years, no matter how long it takes. It's not a big deal. That's like it just a drop. And that what's, what's happening in all of this? And listen. Everything you have seen on this earth, I said it last time, is serving the purpose of Christ. Did you hear what I said? Yes. That book in your hand is serving the purpose of Christ. The device you are using to read your Bible is serving the purpose of Christ. That is true. Your head of state is serving the purpose of Christ. The military establishment, they are seventy purpose of Christ. The nation is seventy purpose of Christ. Economic turmoil is seventy purpose of Christ. Tsunamis, they are seventy purpose of Christ. Earthquakes, they seven the purpose of Christ. Rain falls, the seventy purpose of Christ. The the farmlands are watered, serving the purpose of Christ. The rivers flow, they are seventy purpose of Christ. Oceans rise and fall. They are seventy purpose of Christ. The mountains, they are serving the purpose of Christ. Snow falls. Everything is serving the purpose of Christ. Including the troubles of this earth. I'm telling you. Every single thing is serving the purpose of Christ. There's no trouble you find on this earth that took God by surprise. There's none he did not command. None. There is none he did not command. He say he commands troubles? Yes. You think you can take him by surprise? There are no two gods ruling this earth. they are just one. That's why you need to go to him. If you want troubles to end, don't rebuke the devil. Ask him for mercy. He says, sir, we don't ever rebuke the devil. You rebuke him when it comes to what? Sin, temptations in your life. When he says, disobey, God says, get behind me, Satan. Read your Bible, that was when men argued with Satan. Christians converse with Satan too much. Yeah, I think it's a bad habit to have in Christianity. Conversation with Satan. We have too much of it. We have too much of it. We have too much of it. The only thing you are supposed to converse with Satan on is resisting his temptation get behind me. It is written. I will not do what you are saying. I will do what the Lord is saying. Satan, you won't bring trouble in my life. He can't. You will not enter my family. He cannot. You just close the door. He doesn't have the power to break down doors. The only place he enters, you know what Satan can do? It's a spiritual principle. Even God, that's what he does. What does he do? Knock. Hello, good afternoon. Please, I was just passing by. Uh, no, I live down the road, not too far away from here. Has God really said, this tree I'm seeing at the back of your house, you can't eat from it? Oh, that tree. Uh, yeah, we can't eat from it. Why not? The day we eat of it, we will die. Mm. Looks like you go to that church, eh? The church will die if you eat that tree. You say, yes. <laughs> I know. You will not surely die. I used to be a member. When I learned the truth, I left it too. I ate the thing. I did not die. And suddenly the woman looks and says, wow, this tree is fine. I told you. Okay, no. See, eh? there's no problem. Just eat it. If you die, then say you won't eat again. If you die, I'm not the one that told you. You don't even know who the person is. And that's how people believe all kinds of adverts. They send you adverts. They say, look, this is garlic." Have you seen this one before? They say, I received 50 gigabytes free from MTN or from Glue. I received it. Just that, this code. I've just received my own. You know the truth? All those who forward those things to you, they did not receive anything. The condition for them to receive it is to forward it to two groups and 50 people. And once they forward it like that, they don't get anything. But they've already told you they got something. After nobody shares out free things, one guy says, send your account number. Balatinubu is sharing money for you to vote for APC. I said, okay. How will Balatinubu know whether you voted for APC or not? When you send the account number. That's how. They, and you know, some people who send. Um, yeah. Next thing they that's okay. We well, are sending you something now. A code will drop on your phone. Just send this so that your money can enter. Some mubus will actually still send. Yes. The next thing, you got debit alert. All the money they have been saving. Then someone said they did not tighten on the money. It's true. You are confusing mommy. <laughs> Don't let strangers be offering you things, please. Even normal adverts. Oh, most adverts I say, I don't believe. Eh, most adverts are lies. I hope you get my point. Yes. So when they come as emails, you have won 1.4 million in the German international lottery. Reply to claim. I always reply with delete. Did I play the lottery? How can you win lottery did not play? Some of you are saying, Pastor, why are you going? On? There are young people listening to me. Especially when they have faith. I confess prosperity, I confess prosperity. Then they get that email and say, oh, faith is working. <laughs> Some of them would even go and price the car before they reply the email. <laughs> wow, well, but faith am claiming. <laughs> the Lord is good, though. So Satan, that's all he can do. That's what I'm say. He just comes, stranger offers Eve something, and Eve decides to listen. God said she was deceived. Remember that? Yes. She was deceived. But the deception or not, there were still consequences. But Adam was not deceived. Adam followed. That is the only way Satan gets into our lives. He cannot force himself in. He cannot. All right? But how you know Satan is simple. He's not minding the things of God. He's minding the things of man. He's minding the things of the flesh. He wants you to be preserved. Listen to me. People are telling you to make decisions. Go and check what they are telling you. It's always self-preservation. No, think about it. All, let me say something here. Please, I'll get into... Well, if I can, we'll so continue next time. All right? Life is about self-sacrifice. What did I say? sacrifice Anytime God is telling you to do something, you are sacrificing something. Yes, you are. It's Satan that tries to preserve your life. For God, preserving you is always an additional benefit at the end of the sacrifice. For example, God calls Abraham... And he says to Abraham, you know what you're going to do? You will leave your father's house. It's a You will leave everything you know into a land that I will show you. In that place, I will bless you. He even told you, what is the purpose of the blessing? So you can be a blessing. Now many of us don't understand. Please, let me just say something to us. Many times we interpret scriptures. We tend to miss the point in what happened in the heart of the people that God spoke to. When he said, I will make your name great, and you'll be, you'll be blessed, you'll be a blessing. Now, if I say to an average modern person, I will make your name great, you nobody know are thinking about? Wealth. I fly private jets. They gossip about me in the newspapers. Um, I can command them. I command the following so that polit- politicians will come and ask me for endorsement. It's all about, there's this self thing about it. But if you know the way those people thought, I will, yeah, will make your name great. They had one thing in mind, their descendants. For them, it was not about them. So that was why a man like Abraham will sacrifice everything to get a land on which he's not going to be buried in more than six by four feet of it, of which he will not live in more than a small part of it and farm to take care of himself. But God will tell you, I'll give you all this, maybe take a country like Africa. It's so, okay, the whole of East and West Africa will give to you. Why would Abraham sacrifice for that? For his descendants. If you go and see, when Jacob was leaving Laban, that was what they argued over. He said, I need to go home. Mm-hmm. Laban said, why? He said, I need to prepare an inheritance for my descendants, for my children. It wasn't about him. If it's me, I'm okay here. He said, but I'm having children for goodness sake. Are they all going to be servants of Laban? So he told Laban, I have to go home. Why? I have to prepare an inheritance for my children. So when God spoke to Abraham, it wasn't, it, 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 the offer was not the way we look at it. It was like, Abraham, you are great here. Yeah, you're okay. Fine. But leave everything. Then I will make your name great. Your descendants will possess this land. Abraham said, okay, so? What am I going to say? Following God is a life of sacrifice. It's always a life of sacrifice. It's Satan that focuses you on yourself. God never does it. God never does it. Satan focuses you on yourself. God will say, listen, I have called... You know when God called... Um, what's the name of this guy? Big bro, Paul. So, what did he say to Ananias? He said, I've showed him the things he will suffer for my name's sake. Ah, the day of calling. What if I run away? I call and say... Come and enter this ministry. We are going somewhere together. But this will let you know. Did they, they beat also? Suppose I will be kidnapped twice. The time we went to Zamfara, he disappeared for six weeks. We prayed until he escaped. That time they don't beat him. But we thank God. He came with a testimony. Two of the kidnappers gave their lives to Christ. They will forget his kidnapping. We are rejoicing. Eh? Suppose when are you going back into the, for another kidnapping round? And that's what we are telling you. You did no go here. You did enjoy yourself. Say, so, okay, so let's go. Sometimes we trek. Ha, those jungles. Oh, And if the cannibals kill you, we'll bury your bones. That's the only thing we can promise. And you are just giving your life to Christ. Want you say, Buddha, what do you have to offer? Because <laughs> this Jesus Christ, I don't understand him. <laughs> but you see, and listen, I, pray, I pray you get the spirit. Please, you need to drink of the spirit. You need to. Life is a life of offering up yourself as a sacrifice. Everything you are doing in life, you have to have that mindset. You know, I won't start the story now, but we know what I found out. This is how you know you are blessed. A time comes in your life, most of the place you spend your energy, you're not getting much from from it financially. You will observe it. It's not a prayer. It's a fact. You will observe it. A time will come. hmm? You will walk, 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 walk here. Sweat, 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 sweat. Even if they pay you, the money is small. Then, with the bulk of the money you are getting, you'll be from somewhere you don't do much. You know what God is letting you know? I'm the one supplying your needs, not your energy. I sent you to come and offer yourself as a drink offering. It's one thing I have observed in life. Many times you know people for the kind of work they do, they don't get Oh my me once. I was going through books, we we're about to print. He said, Ah, chief, now I know where your money is coming from. You know, I felt bad. I don't even know why I felt bad. Those books we printed, I knew how much money we had lost. But we kept not printing the books. Just by the way, we have a new policy in Kingdom World now. I've shared it with our guys. All our books now are going on subsidy. It's a new rule. Oka was the first place we we did it. I got the books that are going for 1,002. I just physically took a pen, canceled, and I said 800 naira. A lot of them have been sold for less than the current printing price. There's a reason why we decided to do that. So I forgot to mention it. Okay, now I have announced it. New prices will be put on those books from today. It was supposed to have announced it, just I forgot. Or I forgot. You say why? Well, the story is long. The, <laughs> the basic story is that um, our materials are often given a very free of charge, but we don't give out books free of charge for a number of reasons. I won't discuss them now. I just want you to pay for it. Well, now, the cost of paying for the books in contemporary, in, in the environment now is really, really high. So, a lot of people who want to read them probably will drop back a bit because it's a bit expensive. So, as long as you're still paying for it, I'm okay with it. So, what we plan to do now, we were started the reading Oka, is that the prices are going down. Many of them, have, in fact, not even covering the cost of production. All right? Where would the money come from? Let's put it like this The Lord has provided money. Amen. The ministry runs on free will offerings. I hope you're getting my point. So that's why we don't have a problem with that. I just wanted to know that. Just just by the way, it's just it's an announcement that I was supposed to make, but I forgot. Now I've remembered, okay? Um, so as soon as I'm done, just let us do the corrections. So if you go and collect books, you understand? You, buy a hand. you can now start giving books out to people if you want to. We'll really call it. The, and then, really, if you have something you want to do, there's some I used to do that. Books like... Um, choices, beyond this and talents. I think I want to add this one to someone is controlling you. If you come and you want to use it for maybe that like you want to go to school, give it to children and you study together, not just go and just be handing out books who are not reading it. No. Young people, we have a Bible study. Everybody come, we are going to study this book. And you need a lot of copies. We can talk and we'll see how that can be done. All right? That just at our side, okay? The Lord is good. Oh, as I say, it. life is a life of what? Sacrifice. sacrifice. God called us to sacrifice In this life. And the primary thing faith does for you. Is give you the ability. To offer up that sacrifice. That's where I'm going to end. The primary thing that faith does for you is what? Give you that ability. To offer the sacrifice. Jesus said. I lay down my life by myself. No one takes it from me. What did he say? First line. I have what? The power to lay down. I'm saying to you. The first thing faith gives you. Is that power to lay down. Let me talk about money for a few seconds. That is why the way we preach giving to believers is sad. They are not learning sacrifice; they are learning investment. If you know, if you have the real spirit of the cheerful giver as a believer, giving up anything won't be hard for you, as long as you can see what it is supposed to be used for. I hope you get my point. Today I, I met—I oh, didn't meet him personally. I met a missionary who knew the man. A German man came to Ghana. He got involved in mission work. And he asked them what was the major need they had. They said that they are local pastors. You know, they are, please, I'm only saying things on the side when I'm talking. I hope you don't mind. People tell you pastors are enjoying. If anybody tells you that, eh, I'm very ignorant. It's very annoying. One day, one of my friends said something. He said, pastors like free things. I took personal offense. I said, I preach, do you know how many hours a week? What do you pay me? You go to my website, download messages in right now, I don't know how many millions of hours I'm being streamed. What do you pay? I was offended. The amount of time I spent counseling people like you, go and spend it with a psychiatrist. Some things are very annoying. They say pastors are flying private jets. In the whole of Nigeria, I don't think there are up to five pastors who fly private jets regularly. Are they? What I can tell is that there are more pastors who can't pay children's school fees. Please, you know the kind of thing you talk about? There are more who can't pay their children school fees? Anyway, that's an aside. Okay. This man, anyway, went to Ghana, and he saw a lot of. They told him that a lot of their pastors, you see, is an Anglican mission that he was discussing with. So they have rural missions, that one pastor handles maybe like five, six villages around, or small towns. Are you getting me? So what's the problem? He said he has to trek from one to the other or ride a bicycle. So the man said. What do they need? Their greatest need. Motorcycle. The greatest need in the pastor's life was what? For what? So, on Sundays, this guy will preach in three, four, five villages so he can move easily from one to the other and not have to ride a bicycle. The German man went back home. He wasn't rich. He sold the only car he had. That's what he did. The only car he had, he sold it. See, I told you, this nonsense giving that we do is not the will of God, though. This guy said, what? He wasn't rich. He went back home, sold the only car he had and brought the money to them, gave it to them. That's how he lived his life. Not the one that would be doing like, say, look, that's the spirit of give, the giver. It's a, it's, a, it's a sacrificial life. I hope you're getting my point. What did I say? It's a sacrificial, it's a sacrificial life. life. How the man would get around that car? He doesn't know. He just said, let me just sell this one first. They let the people be riding bicycles to go and preach. But when we want to raise money, what do we do a lot of times? Because if you just give that to your car, your uncle will die. Yeah. Say, I killed my uncle. I killed my uncle with the sacrifice of a Mercedes-Benz. Brethren, hear ye the word of the Lord. That is foolishness. What did I say? That is foolishness. If you want to give a Mercedes-Benz, say, after I gave the car, I heard that they bought 50 motorcycles with it. So those pastors now... You can cover 250 villages every Sunday and every midweek. And I rejoice. Then God will not give me another message. No. If he decides, fine. This is banky. From now on, you go with your motorcycle. yourself. How many motorcycles did you buy? Ten. Collect one. <laughs> if that's all I will ever ride the rest of my life, I should take joy in the fact that the gospel is being preached because I sacrificed. Let me stop preaching there. Even though I have plenty, 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 plenty things to say, but that's you know we are going to come back next week, Abby. We? Yes, sir. So we'll preach that one next week. Let's thank God for the one we have heard today. Well, that's what faith does. It helps us to lay things down. That is what faith does. It helps us to lay things down. Said so no one takes my life from me. I lay it down by myself, and for that reason, I have the power to take it up again. I lay it down by myself. It's a life of sacrifice. It's a life in which we are giving up things. If God helps us, we may continue talking about Abraham. He gave up the comfortable life so he can provide for his inheritance, for his descendants. And this is a beautiful part. You and I are part of the descendants he did not even know he had or you would have. Thank the Lord for it. I want to specifically thank God for the life of Abraham. Yeah, it's important. Mention Abraham's name in thanksgiving. So Lord, thank you for calling that father of faith, who you trained in faith. God called him. I was going to get there, but time ran out of me. God called him and trained him until he was able to give up Isaac. That's why you are sitting down here today, a free man. That's why you are sitting down here today, a free woman. That's why you are hearing me from wherever you are hearing me from. Wherever you are hearing me from, that's why you're able to hear me from there. Because when he looked, he said, look at the stars. So will your descendants be. You want to know the truth? He saw things like the internet. He wasn't looking at literal physical stars. He saw what his descendants will bring to the earth. He saw stars which were satellites orbiting the earth providing the internet everywhere. He says, so will your descendants be. Lord, I thank you. Give him thanks for the life of Abraham. Now I pray one prayer before we leave today. Say, Lord, make me an Abraham also. I give you my life through me Provide for my descendants. Through me, provide for the church of God. Through me, provide for this nation. Through me, do something. I want every every young person here, say, Lord, this is my life. I didn't come to use, I'm not going to use it to struggle, trying to achieve what small boys and girls want to achieve. I want to use my life to serve you. Say, Lord, I'm hearing the gospel early. Use me early. Use me early. Use me early. Use me early.